0: Episode 11 of Girl Mode. I am one of your hosts, Robin B.
1: And
0: I'm your other host, Willa Rowe. And happy new year for real this time, Willa. Yeah. Last time
1: I it, was we lying. Actually did make it. Yeah. We, we actually did make it. We
0: actually did make it. The first episode we're recording in 2023. Uh, and as a good sign of what's to come, we couldn't think of a good topic this week. So <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a grab bag. They can't uh,
1: all be bangers.
0: Yeah, it's true. We. We've been killing it nonstop, so it's it's time to, to take a break take for us
1: a, <laughs> a totally mid-episode. It's time uh, to take us down a notch and, you know, just set the expectations real low for 2023. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's the smart play. And we can only <laughs> go up from here. Uh, no, I do think we still, we still have some fun stuff to talk about uh, this week. In particular, uh, I hear that you've become the Elden Lord.
1: I have. I, um... As opposed to what we said in our end-of-year awards that we would never beat this game, I did yeah. the Elden Ring.
0: Actually, where were you at that point? Because it feels um, like you, you beat this game very quickly.
1: Well, I mean, as we discussed, I, I cheated, so it doesn't really oh, count. Oh,
0: well, it does count.
1: Um, At the it's time when we were doing that, I think I was like still roaming around Lyernia of the Lakes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, okay. that's very That's very fast progress. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, (laughs) the easy mode mod, could not recommend higher. Yeah. I'm
0: seriously, like, since you've started talking about that, I've really been considering just getting it for my PC so that I can use that mod. It might be the only way I ever see, you know, beyond
1: the the Halig tree. It's worth it. Um, But yeah, so at that point, I was still pretty early. And then I just, like, I really... Just like marathon through that game in a couple of like long sessions, um, in the coming weeks. And mostly the thing that got me through was like doing side quests because hmm. I the thing that I knew I wanted to do was Ronnie, um, and go through her quest line. And then the the quest that I think I was like most fascinated by during the play was Millicent. So yeah, she's an I, interesting quest. Yeah, so I basically followed Millicent throughout her whole quest line, and um, I I defeated every shard bearer, uh, shard bearer except Melenia. I even with the easy mode mod, I could <laughs> never beat her.
0: I didn't I, know that Melenia was optional, actually.
1: Yeah, because um, once you get past, once you beat um, Renala and you go past uh of the Lakes into like the Atlas Plateau. Mm-hmm. Um, there's basically like so essentially you only need two great runes to beat the game, but once you get to have the Atlas Plateau, Gideon is like, "Oh, by the way, there's like four other people that we know of who have like shards of the Elden Ring." So if you want to, you can go pursue those and it's like, well, Ronnie has one, but she shed it, so she doesn't actually have one. There's uh, the Lord of Blood, and there's Micola and Melenia. And so it's like you can find them and their stories and see what's up. And so Melenia is optional. But it does have one of the coolest areas. I think um, the Hallig Tree, which you said you never got to. Uh, the Hallig Tree is like a really cool place. Um, I think it was like one of the standout dungeons of the game for me
0: yeah that's what I keep hearing like that that is one thing that i I would love to get to because I keep hearing like how fucking cool it is it yeah. also i know it has sort of a a reprise of one of my favorite bosses from the game um I think we may have talked about this a little bit before i I got really obsessed with the the royal knight Loretta fight yes the, the she comes back yeah is it like this is it like the same fight basically or is it like a totally different like different it's mechanics? fairly
1: the same yeah but she's not a specter and they like they like name her something else it's like loretta knight of Mikla or something Mm -hmm. but like overall i so you know i obviously the two endings that i could have chosen between is i i did fia's quest line so i could have done that and then i did ronnie's but i had to choose ronnie because like what else am i gonna do like obviously it's ronnie yeah of course and I liked it a lot, but um, there's like spoilers that I'm not gonna get into too much because you didn't beat the game. But as I like mentioned before, my girlfriend was like reading me lore the whole time, and she was like, "Oh my God, I just found something that you don't know about yet, and that would like <laughs> that I'm not gonna tell you for a while." And so I beat the Ronnie quest line, and then I u- did the Ronnie ending,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: after we finished, she was like, "Just so you know, this." thing and she like told me this thing and I was like oh wow that changes it kind of changes everything
0: wait a thing about
1: Ronnie kind of yeah
0: oh I'm really interested now
1: which I I don't know if you know but I'm like not gonna just say it outright because I don't want to potentially spoil you yeah um it's something
0: you like don't learn in the course of the game though
1: uh I mean or here's the thing yeah if you're one of those people you might yeah yeah, you could hypothetically. I just don't read item descriptions. Right like, by one that of those much. people. I mean, people who pay attention.
0: Yeah, <laughs> couldn't be um, me.
1: But it was just like really fun. Uh, there were a lot of standout moments. Like I, I liked Volcano Manor. I did everything in there. Uh, I think easy mode was the right way to do it for me because I think my my opinion of Elden Ring is that I objectively i understand that it's a very good game and that it like changes the status quo of how open world games have been made lately mm-hmm. and the key to that is the fact that it's like oh you discover everything yourself you follow the quest lines yourself you can like keep notes blah 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 every discovery feels special and my hot take is that well in order for every little discovery to feel so special like 80 percent of the game has to feel really boring because <laughs> you're just like wandering around a lot of the same kind of uh environment for so long yeah. and then eventually you'll find something cool and that will sustain you for like a little bit but then you have to go back to do boring stuff so it's like little moments of great uh of great discovery but uh I don't think I could have done this the normal way where I also have to spend like numerous hours grinding through dungeons and leveling up and dying to bosses I did not have the time for that
0: yeah I think that's true like it's definitely like the low points for me were like like all the backtracking you know like the first time you get to an area and explore every area it's like it's so fascinating to see what there is to discover but then when you have to like go back and backtrack to like finish this quest or find this item or whatever it does start to feel a little it's just a little less magical when you're kind of marking things off a list and you're not like doing that like active
1: exploring thing
0: so yeah I think-
1: there were also just like there were a couple quest lines that i just didn't even get to do because before i even realized it i had like <laughs> i think we talked about this but i had done something where it basically just like ended that quest line for me and i was like oh well uh i guess i'm not going to experience that
0: yeah that is a, a true from soft tradition is yeah. only realizing once you fuck things up that that story even existed. Yeah, but, uh, it is. It is definitely like, I think I do want to go back and play with that mod because like the difficult. I, I yes, I know true true gamers appreciate the difficulty, and uh, if you if you do anything to make it less difficult, you've cheated yourself, et cetera. Et cetera. But I don't think it really. I don't know. That's what, not what makes Elden Ring like that special to me sometimes I enjoy it in friends games like uh Sekiro in particular uh I think the difficulty is like pretty inherent to that game uh and like overcoming that like the extreme uh like difficulty spikes is like part of what makes it so magical but for Elden Ring I don't feel that way like I, I do agree that it is about the exploration and about the world so maybe I would maybe I would do better if I just admit that I'm I'm not a true gamer
1: I mean, (laughs) cheated my way through. I think it's a great way to go back and experience it. Like, if you have put so much time into it, and you just kind of like want to be able to quickly like tie up loose ends and see stuff, it's it's worth it. Um, Yeah. But uh, I am I am the Elden Lord. (laughs) Amazing. With an asterisk, you know.
0: Yeah, it It still counts. However you get there, (laughs) I'm remembering now. It was like legitimately there was like the uh, the Godskin Apostles. Oh, was it called? the
1: Godskin Duo? Yes,
0: that was the fight where I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna finish this game. Like, the- I mean,
1: that specific section of the game is also like a massive like halt in momentum. I think, mm-hmm. um, like even me in my like easy mode playthrough, when I got to the Godskin Duo, not just because like not because of the difficulty, but just that that area of the game feels like a momentum like stopper where everything that's just kind of been leading up to is just like, we're going to have this little sort of detour. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, do you want to uh, talk about the Millicent quest
1: at any moment? Oh, my God. Yeah, sure.
0: You mentioned before how much fun that one was.
1: Oh, my God. Okay. So um, did, do you know everything about Millicent?
0: Yeah. I don't. Th- well, I mean, obviously I didn't finish finish it because I think isn't part of it like uh, to do with the Millennia fight.
1: Yeah, basically you have yeah. to, you don't have to beat Melania, but you have to at least get to the Hallig tree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I did, um, like all the stuff you have to do in the Swamp of Rot, like that. those
1: fights I did, but I didn't uh-huh. get to the very end of it. Okay, so uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you everything about Millicent. So the thing with Millicent is, like, you first find her in Caelid, um, and there's this guy named Gowry, and he's like, oh, there's this maiden named Millicent, she's up here on a church, uh, please go, like get her for me basically she's dying of scarlet rot so give her a needle that you have to get from a boss and you go up and you see millicent and she's lost an arm and you give her the needle and she's like okay thanks like i guess i'm not dying now and she starts like talking about how the memories she's lost are like starting to come back to her And it's very mysterious um and she's like i'm gonna go off on my like own journey to try to kind of like find myself again and as you play through the game the scarlet rot is like this big thing it's 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 like a disease and you learn that it comes from millennia and that there's this group of creatures in the game who worship it as like a god so then as you progress through the like main story and you you know go through Lyurnia the lakes and you go to the atlas plateau and Eventually you get to like the mountaintop of the giants and blah, 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 blah. You'll see Millicent along the way. And she's always talking about how she's following in the steps of Melenia and she's trying to get to the Halig tree, which is this, has its own long quest line um, that you have to do to unlock it because it's a optional area. And then eventually when you get there, she talks to you and she's like, listen, I have a secret to tell you. I am, like, of Melenia's blood. And she says she doesn't know what that means. She might be a sister or a daughter or something. And then, which to me, like, I, I started... Thinking might be a possibility because you start seeing these statues of Melenia and people just talk about Melenia as, you know, this redheaded swordswoman with a missing right arm, mm-hmm. which is exactly the description of Melenia or of uh, <laughs> Millicent as well. Yeah. And then uh, when you're in the Halig tree, you will find Millicent fighting uh, a, a boss battle, which is called the Sisters of Millicent. It's, it's like when you're invaded, they're all red covered like NPCs and you have this battle and then you talk with her and she's like, I removed the needle. I'm going to be dying from scarlet rot. Like, thank you for taking me on this journey and like getting to the Hallig tree with me. Um, I have like become my own person outside of this like legacy that I'm supposed to fulfill. then she dies
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yes it is a from software game so it has to end with with every npc you meet dying
1: yeah and like uh there's a little bit left that you can do after that but uh i don't know like following millicent and like trying to understand her identity was was really interesting i had a i had a wild theory for a really long time that i honestly think could have been great and from software if you ever need like narrative advice call me up (laughs) uh, for a reasonable consulting thing because because there's this whole thing where millicent is like i've lost my memories i don't remember my life but i know i'm like i know i have something to do with melania and i want to like follow her route and try to go find her and understand my like past and i've like watched enough anime or read enough books (laughs) with protagonists or people with uh with amnesia and like so quick i was like oh my god millicent is melania yeah that would be really sick it was not the case though but uh that would be such a cool
0: idea though yeah to like do this whole npc quest line and then she's like oh right this is me uh Time for when a boss fight. And you do the boss <laughs> like, fight, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's never, like, clearly said what her deal is. Like, they don't explain if she is a sister or a daughter or something. But it's, like, it's because, like, of course they don't. What mm-hmm. do you expect? But it was still really interesting. And, um, like, following Millicent and fighting Millicent, I think, was, like, one of the biggest things that pushed me through that game. Um, that and, you know, wifing up Ronnie, So which yeah. I did. So goals That was my motivation
0: the whole time I was playing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like, I got far enough to get to like, um, Ronnie's shrine where you get the, like the great sword, uh, the moonlight great sword or whatever. Uh, and then I was kind of like, well, this is what I was here for.
1: (laughs) Good enough. Just to make Ronnie happy.
0: Uh, but yeah, uh, gosh, this is all, this is really making me want to start playing again, Uh, (laughs) which I can't, I have other shit to do, but I really, really want to, Mm -hmm. maybe this will be my, my actual, uh. 2022 game that i play in 2023 we'll see Maybe. but a game that i definitely won't be playing in 2023 is uh one of these mystery dungeons and dragons games oh, uh, that, that was a recently great transition canceled. thank you <laughs> oh, Created this. yeah so <laughs> over the past week uh the wizards of the coast which is the uh, company that owns dungeons and dragons as well as like Magic the gathering well, I guess they didn't announce, but they uh, some reporting from Jason Schreier came out uh, where he had found out that uh, apparently five unannounced Dungeons and Dragons games uh, have now been canceled. According to Wizards, like fewer than fifteen people at the company are being affected because these games were mostly being developed by uh, you know third party studios outside of them. Uh, so what that means instead is that like all of these other smaller studios are getting fucked over. Uh, by, by the announcement. One of those studios uh, is a studio called Hidden Path Entertainment. After this, you know, this reporting from Jason Trier came out, uh, Hidden Path put out a statement that said, uh, Hey, everyone, just wanted to set the record straight. Our epic D&D project with Wizards is still happening. In fact, we're currently hiring and looking for talented people to join our team. Uh, they put that tweet out. And then after that, Jason Schreier re- responds to that tweet by saying, this is a very unusual and very unfortunate situation, but we stand by our reporting. Both a source and a Wizards of the Coast spokesperson told Bloomberg on Tuesday that Hidden Paths' D&D game is canceled. This is so, just wild. It's I, I truly don't know what to make of all of this. Like What it seems like is happening is... You know, because this the whole the cancellation of those five games wasn't like an announcement from Wizards. It didn't just come out like it. It was something that was reported out, uh, like anonymous, you know, spokespeople uh, mm-hmm. told Schreier about it. So it seems to be, uh, unless there's like something completely wild going on, that Wizards internally canceled these games, and the news just hadn't gotten around the people developing the games.
1: Which, like, which wouldn't be, like, the first time something like this has happened. Well, that's the
0: thing, is it sounds completely wild that that would ever, like, even be a possibility. Like, you hear that and it sounds ridiculous. But given how busted so much of game development is, <laughs> and given uh, Wizards of the Ghost's track record for being not the coolest place to work or, like, have any professional association with, it seems entirely possible.
1: Yeah, and, like... I mean Shriers like track record re- reporting is also very good. Um, it's it's so weird like it does feel like this is a situation where maybe they just somebody forgot to tell the developers uh, yeah. and then like even after this Shyre was like hey just to be clear I also <laughs> talked to the spokesperson again and they reiterated after the statement from Hidden Path that yeah that game is canceled. Yeah. Which is
0: like, you know, y- you can always get a source that like doesn't have their info straight, but to have a wizard spokesperson and an additional source both confirm this, even after like it was being refuted, uh, it's just it's such a such a fucked up situation. It's, yeah, and like
1: uh, it's so. I weird. just feel so
0: bad for everyone involved in this.
1: Yeah, and like n- nothing really more from this has come out yet like since those tweets and stuff i'm yeah. i'm incredibly curious to see like how this ends up playing out um it just seems like a a terrible comedic event
0: yeah it's it's very strange like it's it's not been a full day since since that last update and no no official word from from wizards on any of this uh it's 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 just kind of mind-boggling
1: yeah, it is, the, it is the interesting thing of, like, you know, a spokesperson said it to a journalist first without anybody else just, like, making a statement about it, like, from Wizards of the Coast boggles I'd, the mind. Yeah. I just,
0: yeah, I don't even know what to make of it. It's it's so strange that, like, everything you hear about Wizards of the Coast or about D&D in particular is, like, how well it's doing right now. Like, there was that, like, really bad D&D game that came out last year, the, the Dark Alliance. Mm. Um but there's like a movie coming out. They're like working on the new edition of of the tabletop rules. Like it just seems to be like a money printing machine. Uh, it, it's really kind of
1: it's so strange how messed up their like the gaming side of things is though. Even you though know? they have like Baldur's Gate three being made by you know L-Larian, Larian Larian mm-hmm. whatever studios uh for the makers of Divinity Original Sin. And they have a Magic the Gathering, like, digital card game, which is supposed to be pretty good also. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's like, I don't know, D&D has this weird legacy in games where, like, there are some, like, great classic games based on Dungeons and & Dragons, and there's also some, like, totally mediocre games that came out of, out of like, the, the property, too. And it just seems like, it, it just seems so strange for them to have had these five secret projects in the works and then cancel them. Yeah. Like, why why not just commit to it? You know what I mean? Like it's this, this company is owned by Hasbro. It's not like they're like, this is going to hurt them in any way. If the games like flop, like it just seems like they're in such a position to like do literally whatever they feel like with the license and it'll probably make them some money. Yeah. You'd Uh, think. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. The the thing that really just sticks out to me is like this, this super bizarre disconnect between uh, wizards as this IP holder, kind of landlord just seeming to be like stringing these smaller developers along. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's really messed up. It, it kind of falls in line with a lot of things that we've heard of from Wizards of the Coast about how how poorly they treat people who like work with them and for them. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's such a weird situation. It's such a bummer and it's so strange and just such a fascinating breakdown of like of communication, you know? Yeah. And yeah, this is also all happening at the same time as the... Uh, open game license has been changed very recently uh which is like sort of a legal agreement that allows creators who work outside of wizards of the coast to make content for dungeons and dragons and sell it um so the old version of the open game license was like pretty uh, it left people pretty free to like make things and sell them uh and a I think it might have been even the same day that this news broke. Uh, there was a leak of the like a draft of the new open game license that is like far more restrictive. It's like requiring people to uh, register the the sort of like the games that they make based on D and D with wizards, uh, and basically just like makes it way harder for people to make money uh, mm-hmm. off of off of uh, their own content, which is again very bizarre. Like, of course, like a you know this massive corporation like Hasbro wants to like ring all the money it can out of everybody it can. But like part of the reason that D&D is so popular is because of uh, how much homebrew stuff there is for it. I literally don't know a single person who's ever played Dungeons and Dragons who didn't like heavily hack it because it's like not the greatest rule set. It's just very popular mm-hmm. and to make it actually fun to play it all people have to like do a lot of their own work. Uh, and of course, like you can still do that at your own table. Hasbro is not gonna kick down your fucking door. but part of what makes that so successful is people being able to sell those things and like just just the fact of like it's having so much name recognition uh, is why it has so much success. So it really seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot for w- what is honestly probably like a minuscule like long-term gain for themselves. They're just they're just fucking up left and right this week and it's <laughs> it's really fascinating to see a company that like, doesn't really need to put in that much effort to continue being like the most popular product in its industry. Just making these completely baffling decisions that I, I can't imagine don't hurt them in the long term, you know? Yeah. Uh, and also just to quickly call out, the that reporting uh, was done by uh, Linda Kodega at uh, Gizmodo broke the news about the the OGL. Uh, it's a really, really, really great article uh, that, if you're interested at all in Dungeons Dragons or tabletop in general, uh, it's very much worth
1: checking out. Uh, speaking of another uh, game with complicated rules that I don't really understand personally, <laughs> Blazeball is is coming back. Blazeball's new season is uh, starting, I think, on the 9th. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I know nothing really about Blazeball. So.
0: If you had to explain to me what Blazeball is right now, what would you tell me? Oh my god,
1: okay. (laughs) So Blazeball, as the name would suggest, it's kind of like baseball, but only in theory. The way it works is it's basically... Blazeball is a game about what it's like to be a fan of baseball, where there are fictional teams in a league, in the Blazeball League, and you play blaze ball by like being a fan and you can choose a team that you like and you like root for the team and that gives them like better chances at games but then the like extra layer is that i don't really know how this happens but there are like weird there are always weird conditions and weird votes and and stuff that happen like the thing that i know about blaze ball is that there was a character who died and then they voted to bring him back from the dead, so they Jalen like Jalen
0: Hot dog Fingers,
1: yeah. So they resurrected him as like a zombie, and so he was a zombie player. And this was like basically fans had gamed the system where they realized if they like made it so that this dead player was the like certain ranked player at the end of a season, then he would be brought back to life. And then Blazewall was just like, "Well, I guess we have to roll with this." I think there's like people get trapped in in nuts or something. <laughs> How am I doing?
0: Uh, honestly, this is one of the better descriptions of baseball I've ever heard, <laughs> including the parts where you go, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> um, that is, for, from my experience, that is a core part of, of participating in baseball is going, I can't tell what's happening, but I think I'm having fun. On a very, like... Uh, I don't know, surface level or, like, literal level. It is, like, a website that you go to and you see a, like, text readout of a fictional baseball game that's being played that just, like, is continually updating, like, scores and, like, what plays are being made. And also sometimes in the middle of that, someone gets incinerated by an angry god or bizarre shit like that happens. It's it's just incredibly, like, it's very, it's absurd and it's, like, really f- Funny in the way that it presents these completely bizarre scenarios with a, with a totally straight face. Uh, you know, like it's the, the the game itself as you're reading it is like treating these as like you know that when someone does get incinerated, it's treated with the same amount of gravity as like someone hitting a home run. And yeah, they're all all these absurd conditions where it's like how it works is like you can spend these like tokens you have in the game to like bet on who's going to win. And then your winnings from that let you uh, vote on these kind of larger league wide rules. Uh, and that's like how Jalen hot dog fingers got resurrected. Uh, it's how the forbidden book was opened that unleashed the elder gods that, that, you know, kicked off a lot of this stuff. Are you uh, sure blaze ball isn't a from software game? <laughs> it's <laughs> there's I know I'm not sure. I'm not sure about much of anything when it comes to baseball. Sounds a lot
1: like Bloodborne.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, (laughs) it sure does. (laughs) Um, It wouldn't be super surprising if it were somehow Bloodborne. Uh, But yeah, it's just like that is part of the fun of baseball. It's just sort of like embracing the absurdity. Like a, a big part of the game, I think, happens like sort of outside of the game in fan art and in like, you know, fans have put together like replays and like play-by-play commentaries and stuff. A big part of the enjoyment of this is engaging with the community just getting so on board with this borderline incomprehensible game or
1: event or phenomenon. I don't know how to describe it. You know, um, it honestly makes me think of uh, the Goncharov stuff. Yeah, happened, yeah, yeah. Because it, it's it's more about like a collective storytelling exercise that just allows people to just like create a bunch of random stuff that surrounds, you know, the, the actual thing. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's very, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very communal, communal narrative, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really great observation. It's like, it, it exists in the way that people talk about it and the way that people share it more than it does like, you know, if it, if if all there was to it was watching these games play out, it wouldn't be very interesting. the The fun part is like getting in super invested in these things that are totally random and inexplicable. Like like rooting for one team over another makes no sense because it's all just complete chaos. You know, like the team you're rooting for one day could literally be erased from the league the next day. Or you know, sometimes every player on a team is the same person like there's just like it's just anything can happen uh and i think that's what makes it so much fun to react to and to like the act of trying to follow it is uh is interesting in and of itself because there is kind of like no consistent logic to it and if that sounds interesting uh the next season is about to start and i'm 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 very excited uh i followed like blaze ball when it first started i fell off pretty quickly because it's just it really is a lot to Like, if you're trying to keep track of it, it's a lot. And the kind of, like, community lore that gets built up is just, like, piles on top of itself very quickly. And that's, I don't know, that's kind of part of the fun, too, is, like, getting lost and, like, checking back after a week of being away and finding it, like, a completely, uh, it's a completely different story is being told now. But I'm very excited to, you know, participate for as long as I I can keep my feeble grasp of it again
1: yeah i think i think i'll check it out like i've never really dove fully into it but this might be my my chance
0: yeah according to the like the designers it's like it is basically kind of being reset uh like the end of the last season the entire league was swallowed by a black hole which is just a thing (laughs) that can happen in blaze (sighs) ball so everything is kind of starting from scratch this time yeah um but yeah i think we should uh i think we should watch you know, the first couple games of baseball this season and, uh, check back in next time on whether we're able to hold any of it in our puny little brains. Perfect.
1: Uh, so you've been playing a game for work and Mm -hmm. you are finally able to talk about it a little bit. So I wanted to ask you, what are your early thoughts so far on Fire Emblem Engage?
0: Yeah, um, my early thoughts on Fire Emblem Engage. So, yeah, as of this recording, uh, previews have gone out, which which are allowed to cover up to Chapter 8 of the game. Um, I can't talk about anything that happens after that, or <laughs> Nintendo will send a kill team to my apartment immediately. But it is... I think the way that I focused my, my preview of it was in uh, comparing it to three houses, basically, because that seems like a question... Uh, A lot of folks will have because a lot of people were introduced to the series by Three Houses. But it's not something that I wanted to really like consider as part of my criticism because it's, you know, that's not what the game is. Yeah. So it is, it's a very different game from Three Houses in a way that I think, I think the most interesting reaction to it is going to be from people who came to the series starting with Three Houses. Because that game itself was a pretty big break for the series in how much it focused on uh, all of the kind of like social sim stuff, like the school or whatever, that stuff was like far more developed than anything that that Fire Emblem had done before. Like the early games didn't have that stuff at all. The more recent games like started to put it in where you could like build relationships with your characters and things like that. But uh, Three Houses took a totally different tack for that. And so far, like Engage follows it a little bit down that path in like there is a home base there's like a place where you can like have meals with your teammates and kind of build up your relationships but it doesn't go nearly as far as three houses uh which so far i've found pretty disappointing um and i, I know you were a big fan of the kind of like social and relationship stuff from three houses
1: yeah it it's very interesting like reading your preview Um, Like as someone for me, I I came to the series with three houses and Hmm. love the social elements like more than I like the tactical uh, strategy gameplay, even though that's like very good. Um, It's it is kind of like a letdown for me personally. But uh, I, I think you make a really interesting observation, though, in your preview, which is that this this might not be three houses, but this is this is a lot like their mobile game that they have Fire Emblem Heroes, which I, I thought was really fascinating to read about.
0: Yeah, it's 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 very strange. I um, I just kind of happen to play this the, the mobile game sometimes. Uh, I mainly because I want to look at cool pictures of characters I like from this series, uh, which is the reason you play gotcha games. Um, but yeah, it does. It takes a lot from from heroes, I think, uh, which makes sense because that game is made one billion dollars, uh, which is not an exaggeration. It is made a billion actual dollars. So, of course, like, it makes sense to take some lessons from that. I think that, like, the kind of most obvious one is that, like, in Heroes, like, it's a gacha game. So the point is to, like, recruit all these different characters from Fire Emblem's past. You know, you roll on this this random, like, slot machine that gives you uh, new characters for your army. uh, And Engage takes a similar tact, where uh, there's, like, there's 12... You know, heroes from the the series past that come and sort of join your uh, your army, and it's it's not the same. Like they're not like directly controllable units; they are more like sort of like equipment that you add to your character that like gives them new stats and new abilities and things. But where it falls short in a way that Heroes doesn't is sort of the expectation, um, because with Heroes you're recruiting literally like hundreds of of these characters, and so you kind of don't expect it to be like a very coherent story. And the story in Heroes is like like it's just nothing. Engage, like, has a more in-depth story, but it also seems like weirdly unconcerned with building out the stories of these characters who you're summoning which is something that I found extremely disappointing maybe it gets I'm still hoping that it like uh, <laughs> builds on that more toward the end like because yeah I mean I agree with you like I really love that stuff in three houses so I'm hoping it's just like a really slow burn but up to this point that that part has felt like a letdown but on the other hand the, the combat has been like excellent when you sync with one of these emblems, which is to say like you, equip one of these summonable characters onto another unit that you have. Uh, It gives you, like, some stat boosts, uh, but more importantly, it gives you access to these, like, really powerful abilities. So I was actually telling you about one uh, the other day where uh, there's one character who you're kind of meant to put onto a magic user that, like, it boosts your your magic attack, but also it gives you the ability to teleport a really, really far distance across the map and, like, do a, a magic attack when you land. And that's really effective if you put it on a magic using character, you can take out pretty much anybody in one hit. But instead I put it on a really heavily armored character who has basically no magic. So when I use that attack and like teleport across the map, it doesn't do very much damage. But that means I now have a heavily armored unit that's like sitting behind enemy lines who can just like absorb all of these hits and like soften up the the opponents just by kind of standing there. Mm-hmm. So it does allow you to to make these kind of like off the wall strategies and really play with them. That part of it is very satisfying. And that's like the what you do for most of the game. Like you spend most of your time in battles to the point where I went back and played a little bit of three houses just to like, so I could make this comparison, you know, accurately. And I found myself getting pretty bored in the battles just because like every turn is a little bit slower and there are less of these kind of like game changing abilities in play. It, yeah. So it ends up with kind of a really uh, sort of shaky balance between like, truly excellent combat, and so far pretty lackluster, like, story and, and character stuff. So, sorry to say, I think you uh, will not enjoy this quite as much as Three Houses. Oh, no. Um, I'll just
1: have to replay Three Houses again, oh, I guess. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, Three Houses is a very replayable game. Like, it's it's made <laughs> for that. So, kind of no harm there. But yeah, I think it's... My, my impressions so far are, like, if you're a person who likes kind of like tactical rpg combat you will probably love fire emblem engage and if you're here for the you know sort of three houses ish social stuff uh you know maybe it'll turn it around but at least in the first like handful of hours it's uh it's not delivering that same experience yet so Mm -hmm. i still you know i'm crossing my fingers but um so far it's you know good not great uh but uh interesting nonetheless
1: yeah i'm i'm interested to like hear your final thoughts when uh when you know review embargoes drop so
0: yeah i'm interested to have final thoughts i'm i'm like (laughs) i'm yeah kind of anxious to to see where i land with this game yeah Uh, it'll it'll be interesting uh game we know exactly how we feel about though uh is nailed it signal (laughs) (laughs) you you can't call me (laughs) out in the middle of a segue
1: okay i'm sorry
0: (laughs) I kind of want to leave this in now. Uh, again, we have significantly less mixed feelings about, though, is Signalis, which uh, announced some, some very
1: exciting news the other day. Yeah, um, um, they are going to release a, a North American, European, and Australian physical edition, um, which is going to come out in February. Uh, there was a Japanese physical edition um, that came out with the game's release. I don't know if you saw this. Um,
0: yeah, I just learned this actually looking at, the thing we're about to talk about. Yeah. I didn't realize it either. And I saw people mentioning it in the comments and looked almost, it up and it's very cool.
1: I almost bought the Japanese one. Um, <laughs> it looks sick. But so yeah, this new edition, it comes with a special item called the lenticular memory. And it is a Polaroid that changes. Uh, so it's a Polaroid of Ariam, And we talked about this in our episode about Signalis and Stephanie. But uh, there's a Polaroid that you see in Signalis that you're carrying around the whole time that is Ariane with her white hair, with her like short white hair. Um, And then later you see the like original picture of her like kind of basically out of the academy where she has her brown hair. You talk about this moment and how like it changed your like you just like lost it.
0: Yeah, it was one of many moments in the game that just <laughs> completely broke my brain.
1: Yeah, but this Polaroid like shifts between both of those pictures, so that's $30 uh, down the drain for me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> if you want to cosplay as your favorite sad android, it's, oh it's now become easier.
1: That'd be so great. Don't give me ideas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I... Actually, I should have I should have brought this up in our Signals episode, but when you played the game, did you... I carried around that photograph the whole time, like, as long as I could. Really? I, like, I, like never tried to put... So, I yeah, I was going to ask, actually, like, I wasn't even sure, because I never tried to, if you could even put it in storage.
1: Yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> okay. Because, yeah, I, like, I don't know. It, oh, like, no, the game's, am I heartless? Wow. Wow. I guess we know who... Really cares about Arianne, huh? Yeah. Um, no, it just, I think part of it was actually because I played the game on the easy mode. Um, so I knew like combat wasn't going to be like a huge obstacle for me that I was like, I sort of used it as like an additional restriction for myself, but it was, yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of like a, a little role-playing thing where like you realize like very early in the game that like this photograph is like sort of Elster's connection to to Arianne and to like her this life she's trying to get back. And it just felt like the thing that she would do is sacrifice, uh, you know, space for an extra healing kit or something to continue carrying around this photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kept it with me through the whole game, which meant that there's a part at the game where when you meet uh, Adler and he like, you know, throws you down a pit, he takes the photograph as well. Wow. And that moment like hits so hard, hit so hard for me because like I had like, actually gone to the effort of carrying it around the whole time and so it wasn't just like a storytelling device it like removed that thing from my inventory and like took this thing away from me that i was like you know holding on to even though it was hurting me to do it which just makes the like seeing this like that the photograph being like the thing that they chose to like represent like you know to to make as a bonus to kind of like tie the game together i think is really really special
1: that's, that's really cool. I, I re- actually really love that moment for like your playthrough. That sounds awesome. Yeah,
0: it really felt like, he, yeah, it, it just it really made it land where it's like, oh, he's taking this thing away from me that I have made like a conscious choice to keep. Mm-hmm. But now if I have $30, I can, <laughs> I can get it back.
1: Yeah, just hope nobody else pushes you down an elevator shaft.
0: Oh, God, it's just happened so many times, you know? <laughs>
1: I mean, I think that's kind of it from our, our pile of, of topics. I mean, we managed to talk about things for a long time again.
0: Yeah. Somehow that keeps happening is we just can't have a short conversation.
1: Yeah. Um, so what else have you been up to this week though? What's, what's, what fun have you been up to?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, mostly I still have just been playing Fire Emblem Engage, uh, to, you know, kind of get through that, uh, before <laughs> deadlines start coming due. But when I've had a chance, I have begun uh, watching this little show called The Case Study of Vanitas. Uh, I'm so this happy is right a now. Show that you told me about. You well, you didn't just tell me about it. You you made clear exactly what kind of degenerate you think that I am uh, yeah. when you pitched this show to me. Because you sent me a a little <laughs> video clip of a vampire biting somebody's neck it's like a two and a half minute scene and it's the hottest thing i've ever seen <laughs> um i like you showed this to me while we were on a call and i was just like gasping the entire yeah. time um so the show is very different from what i expected from that um <laughs> it's very it i mean it's a it's an anime-ass anime ass anime in that it's, like, very goofy at times. It has these little, like, chibi sequences. I don't watch a ton of anime, but I do know, like, one thing that always really strikes me when I do is the, like, wild shifts in tone that so many shows are, like, very adamant about doing. Yeah. Uh, which is sometimes a turn-off for me. It kind of is in this show. But aside from those bits, I think it is really an excellent show. I'm only, like, like halfway through the first season, I think, or something like that. But it's, like... So far, it's really great. It's, um, like, a... Uh, gosh, it's just... I don't know. It, it's not worth getting into, like, the plot. But it's just, like, deep, like, vampire clan lore shit happening. Um, but it has just, like... It's full of, like, lots of really interesting characters. Uh, the the animation is gorgeous. Like Yeah, it's it a has,
1: beautiful show.
0: Yeah, it has, like, a couple of kind of modes. Like, there is, like... For most of the show, it is, like... I don't know how to describe it. Like, a a fairly, like... Normal-looking anime, like it's it's like it's gorgeously drawn, but it's like what you kind of expect from like any animated show. But it will occasionally switch into these more like painted sequences where it's more like metaphorical. You know, there'll be like a character floating in this like sea of blood, and it's like not a thing that's happening, but it's sort of a just a you know a more like lyrical representation of it, Uh, and they're like. Those two things happen in very distinct art styles, and they're both incredible. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a wonderful, a wonderful show so far. I've been really enjoying it. It's far less horny than I was expecting, uh, based on how it was introduced to me. Um, The moments it is horny
1: are very good.
0: Yes, I I got to the scene that like you showed me, like in 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 my watch of it, and it was like. It worked just as well the second time. There's even
1: more buildup at that point because, like, now you know that. Yeah, there's there's one scene in the like back half of the of the first season that is. um, I think about it a lot. (laughs) Uh, Incredible. My favorite, my favorite moment is um. You just messaged me a couple things. One was a picture of Jean, who's this character in the show. Oh my gosh! And you just said, "I "I retract all criticism." I love her. She's maybe my favorite character. And then, in addition, you said I just watched a woman show up in a shower of rose petals and immediately call her Noé, who's one of the protagonists. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yep. "Yeah, this show's that great." That does happen. <laughs>
0: that part was good. Um, yeah, Jean is great, though. She that she's introduced in this really incredible like sequence where it's like the kind of like main characters are facing off against this person who is sort of an antagonist, and then isn't necessarily um but there's a fight scene that like really reminded me of bloodborne because oh. she literally is she fights with a coffin <laughs> yeah like, she shows up and she like swings a coffin at a dude and literally does like the sort of like a ground slam attack that you can do with the Kirkhammer. hammer mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was like oh this is like bloodborne the anime <laughs> uh, which was great but yeah jean is i'm number one jean fan for life uh, absolutely so far we'll see but uh but yeah it's a it's a fun show uh it's even if you're like me and don't watch a ton of anime i think it's i don't know yeah it's i'm just i've gotten really drawn into it uh even if even if you're only there to admire the like gorgeous art like it it fully like fulfills itself in that way so this makes me uh, so happy yeah so for at least the bit that i've seen uh i, I think it's wonderful um but it, you have something <laughs> You've been doing something this week that you've been, like, cryptically texting me about. And I'm very curious to hear what, uh, what this is.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, um, there's a gaming podcast that I listen to um, that Jason Trier is on. It's called Triple Click. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of every year, they do a games predictions podcast. Uh, where the three people on that podcast, they like do predictions for the coming year in games. And it's, it's a fun podcast episode. I really like it. Uh, but someone who very much likes this episode is my girlfriend, <laughs> okay. uh, Zoe, uh, you know, Zoe you've met, uh, she is a big fan of this one episode of triple click. It's like the only episode she listens to in the year from this podcast, <laughs> Interesting. So this year when she was listening to it, she decided that she should make her own gaming predictions for oh 2023. This is amazing. So for your pleasure, I have <laughs> my girlfriend's gaming predictions for 2023. Um, and I want to make this clear to like everybody. She right. doesn't really know much about games besides like what I Tell her because we are, she lives in the same apartment as me, so she's forced to listen to me talk a bunch about like things that I'm doing for work.
0: She told me that she was interested in potionomics, which means she has great taste. (laughs) But aside from that, she seems openly hostile to the idea of video games. I think she has some.
1: So I'm very, I'm very interested to hear her predictions. I think they're pretty great though, actually. Um, So, number one, we got. Microsoft will lose their monopolization case against the FTC and will not acquire Activision Blizzard. It's fucking killer stars, Zoe. I know, right? She's really going for a big swing there. Yeah. I love it. You love to see it. Okay, two. Um, Jeff Keeley will be canceled. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, number three. Hogwarts Legacy will be bad, actually, and it will receive a Metacritic score of 75 or lower. Yeah,
0: which, you know, in, in game review terms is like an F minus. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <sighs> okay, number four, Persona 6 will be announced, and they will also announce that you can play as a man or a woman and, N- and romance any NPC available, regardless of gender.
0: And that's a, big, that's a big deal in Persona, right? Because that's a thing that they've never done and everyone keeps yelling at them for? Yeah, there's only,
1: there's only one Persona game where you can play as a male or a female, hmm. first off. And then romance options are always like heterosexual gender, you know, uh, convention. Yeah. So this would be a big deal. But also yeah. everybody has been like begging them to do it. Right. Okay. In anticipation of the film Barbie barbie will be joining the the roster of multiverses
0: that's completely deranged and i would love so much if it happened it is possible barbie i think they should do just like a tie-in barbie horse adventure game
1: yeah i mean barbie is a warner brothers property so it is possible Oh it, it right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. She made this prediction and I was like, this is absurd. Oh I don't know if this could actually happen. And then I looked it up and I saw that it was Warner Brothers and I was like, what if this is actually gonna happen?
0: Okay. I didn't realize that. That's actually okay. She's a genius actually. I, I know. hope this happens.
1: Yeah. Okay. One episode of Girl Mode will get over one hundred downloads. Oh, it's I this <sighs> feels like a curse. <laughs> this feels like too too big of a bet, Zoe.
0: Yeah, too big of a bet, and also too much attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, if if we get ninety nine downloads, I'm pulling whatever episode it is down.
1: Yeah, exactly. And number seven, her final prediction, uh-huh. and this is this is a weird one because it it depends on her. Like it's within her power to make this prediction happen. Okay. Zoe will play Persona Five two credits. Whoa. And I wanna I wanna read exactly how she wrote this prediction down to you, because I think it's funny. She said, Zoe will play Persona 5, parentheses, big swing. (laughs) That is a
0: big swing. I have not done that. Like, for someone who doesn't play video games, that seems... That's like starting with Mount Everest when you decide you want to start mountain climbing.
1: So, uh, so she like does she gets into certain video games every once uh-huh. in a while. Like it'll be like one or two games per year she'll like get into. Um, she loves Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Oh, that's yes, um,
0: yeah.
1: And she loves Hades. And yeah. the thing about her is that her ADHD is so strong that she will get so addicted to a game that that will be all she thinks about um and let everything else go by the wayside she played a hundred hours of hades and she 100 percented chicory ah, amazing i love that like
0: she she picks two games a year to play and they're always fucking bangers yeah like those are just such incredible choices to she be is the only a, games you play
1: she is a tastemaker yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I'm
0: I'm very excited to see all of these predictions come true. Oh uh, yeah, there's sorry, one, Jeff Keighley.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's one more thing, oh, which no. is there was a bet made. Um, she made me make predictions, <clears throat> which I'm not going to read on the podcast. Um, okay, but there is a bet that if she gets more predictions correct than I do, she gets to host an episode of Girl Mode with you without oh, me. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait, why are you not reading your predictions? Uh, cause I don't think that's as fun and I want to just kind of like rib Zoe when she's not here. I mean, yeah, that, that tracks,
0: but then we won't know if like, I'll who's send winning. you,
1: I'll send you the predictions. Yeah. Yeah. You send me. So I, I'll yeah. keep,
0: I'll keep track. I can secret a secret <laughs> scorecard.
1: But yeah, so that is, that is what I got up to this week.
0: God fucking amazing. I, I, those are all such good predictions too. <laughs> they are so solid. Yeah, okay, I can't wait. We will definitely have to at the end of the year, we'll have to have the Zoe predicts the future spectacular to see how many of these she got right. I
1: know. I I think she has a fair chance at some of them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Amazing.
1: I mean, I think with that, I think that's that's everything we have. Uh Yeah, there's there's nowhere to go up from there. <laughs> You can listen to Girl Mode anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are on Twitter at Girl Mode underscore pod and on co-host at girlmode dash pod. I am on Twitter and co-host at The Will And I'm on Twitter and co-host at Robin Bombus. Thanks for listening. Uh, have a good rest of your week. Bye. 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 Do do do.